Every week, our staff team gets together to chat about the mission, vision, and culture of our church. It's a time that we can worship together, pray for each other, and share from God's word. This portion of our podcast is dedicated to bringing those messages to you, to give our church family a peek into the heartbeat behind what's happening in our staff this week. We hope that this encourages you and brings you closer to God this week. Let's go. All righty. Well, today I wanted to uh, look at something. Uh, it's a word that we use often here at the church, and we certainly aren't alone. It's a thought, an idea, um, a mentality that a lot of churches will talk about and will try and uh, bring to their team and bring into their culture. And that's the idea of excellence. And the idea of excellence, and we say it here at Word of Life, it's a value that we hold dear. It's something that we're committed to um, and have been for a long time. Certainly precedes myself and Megan coming in. Um, but with this topic of excellence, which is very common, very popular for pastors and church leaders to talk about, there is a dark side to excellence and this uh, need for excellence and a striving and a desire for excellence. There is a dark side to it. And uh, so much so that I think some churches have come to reject the notion altogether. And I think that we've seen uh, such an extreme swing to an unhealthy side of excellence that some churches have just decided to reject the whole idea altogether. So hopefully today we can kind of refresh a few thoughts I'm not sure how much of this is going to be new, but hopefully we can bring some balance back to things. But as I was thinking about this idea of excellence, the thought that came to me is that excellence moves us beyond what is required and necessary. Excellence moves us beyond what is required and necessary. So for instance, we need a parking lot. It's required and necessary. But excellence is church cleanup day, making the outside attractive and spick and span, ready for guests on Sunday morning. We need kids check-in. Excellence is Pastor Lisa thinking through how to make this as smooth and as efficient as possible. We need to have somewhere for people to sit on a Sunday morning. Excellence is having a friendly group of people helping everyone find a seat. The difference between excellence is that it moves us beyond what is simply required and necessary. Verse in Daniel, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, and this is the New King James Version. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. So Daniel set himself apart. Daniel moved beyond what was required and necessary so much so that he stood out positively for the right reasons because he had an excellent spirit. When I was in Australia, uh, I was on staff at the church uh, on the maintenance team. And so we, there was a group of maybe uh, six, seven, eight of us that were on the maintenance team. And the guy that was the head maintenance guy uh, sort of sat us down and just kind of gave us a refresher one day and really gave us the vision for what we were doing. And he was determined that this was not just picking up trash and this was not just straightening chairs and making sure stuff wasn't broken. He told us that if people come to church and they don't know God and all they can think about is how disorderly the place looks. If all they can think about is when the altar call comes at the end of service, it's freezing in here. If all they can think about is how stressed they were that they couldn't find their seat. If all they can think about is they went to the bathroom and had that embarrassing thing where there was no TP and they had a bang on the stall next to them, that's going to put a blockage in the way of them encountering what really matters. And that was the vision that was cast to us from this leader as we were sort of these young college guys, most of us were students, Part of this maintenance team was there's more to this than meets the eye. And so that was the real heart behind excellence is that we got to get what matters to matter. This house is going to help us get beyond what is necessary. What is necessary, what is required is a minimum. But going beyond that is when we start stepping into excellence. Now, we've all seen excellence done wrong. Um, hopefully not here at the church, but certainly somewhere we will have seen it. Excellence, the dark side of it, it can come across as just showing off. We're going to do bigger and better. 
than people around us. The dark side of excellence can be just keeping up with the Joneses. In churches, it means that we look at the church across the street and we start to think that what they're doing is something that we could start doing and people are talking about that, so they should be talking about us doing it. Keeping up with the Joneses is the one-upmanship of that church says this. I saw this on Instagram. Friend reposted this on Facebook. We should be doing better and giving up and up. And as a verse I wanted to share with you around this, and it has on its surface nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So you're going to have to roll with me on this. 2 Corinthians 8.11. You'll know this well. It's in relation to giving financially. Paul writes, Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And here's a bit I want to hit on. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. And this idea of excellence, this idea is, is being faithful and being effective with what we have, not being envious and consumed with what we don't have. Give in proportion to what we have as a church, our church our size, and the resources that we have and what the Lord's blessed us with. How can we use that excellently? How can we use that with excellence to give him glory, to give him honor, to have a wonderful church experience and to bless the community and to have a great time for our community of faith? What can we do? What, that is the excellence. It's not, oh, but only if we had. It's not other churches are doing this. We need, no, the verse from Paul, and again, I understand this is talking about finances. It's not directly talking about what we're talking about. But the principle, I think, carries that when you give what you have, when you're faithful with what you have, not being consumed with trying to be faithful with what someone else has, but rather just being faithful with what you have. It's, it's um, you know, if there was a requirement that everyone give $5,000 to a missionary, for some, that's incredibly easy. Wouldn't make a dent to their bank account one bit. For some, it would be difficult, but we'd be able to figure something out. For a lot, it would be flat out impossible. But this is what happens when we make excellence a standard rather than a culture. When we make it a standard, this is what excellence looks like. A defined line in the sand, we got to get to this. That's the $5,000 for a missionary, regardless of what the bank balance says. For some, it's flat out impossible. Others, it's difficult. For others, it's easy. It's cake. But that's what happens when excellence is a standard rather than a culture. Excellence is not doing what someone else is doing. It's being faithful and effective with what we have. And you will have heard this before, I'm sure, but if we do have this unhealthy mindset and this, this dark side of excellence, it does lead towards perfectionism. And if we have this mindset, if this is what we've adopted, if this is what we convinced ourselves that this is what excellence is, it means that we focus on what we can't accomplish. Excellence quickly becomes an idol. It pulls us off balance. We can develop very quickly, very easily, a strange inferiority complex. It keeps things shallow because we're striving towards getting that $5,000 for a missionary when we definitely cannot have $5,000 ready for that. And the Lord is not calling us to have that $5,000. He's calling us to be faithful with what we have. But it keeps things shallow and it keeps things surface level if that is the goal, if that is what we're striving for. And it means that we're carrying a pressure that we were never supposed to feel. And that feeling and that pressure can be completely consuming. But excellence, when done right, is a culture of excellence rather than a standard we are working towards, rather than it being a comparison that we're driven by, but a culture of excellence. And this is a commitment if we do have this culture and we are committed to it at the church, and is a commitment that will be tested because it will always be easier to settle. It will always be easier to settle for what's required and what's necessary rather than deliberately and intentionally moving beyond what is required and necessary with that culture of excellence. Another verse for you. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. 
When the Lord said to Samuel, this is when Samuel goes to anoint David, when David's the eighth brother left out in the field because no one thought anybody would want him to be king. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I uh, have rejected him, talking about David's older brother. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Now, this is what I'm going to hit on. This is another backwards way of looking at a Bible verse. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, we read that, and what we remember, and what we take to heart, and what we love, and this is what you put on the coffee cup, is that the Lord looks at the heart. And that is true. There's another reality in this. People judge by outward appearances. Yeah, the Lord looks at the heart. And as believers, hopefully we start and we you know, adopt the Lord's heart towards this and we start to take the heart into consideration more than the outward appearance. But naturally speaking, in the flesh, we judge by outward appearances. God looks at the heart, but people do look at outward things. So getting them right isn't for nothing. So on this idea of excellence, a couple of thoughts if we're doing this right and it is going to be a true culture. The first thing is good stewards with our blessings. Good stewards with our blessings. Take care of what God has given us. As my leader told me, remove the distractions. Take care of our blessings. Take care of what God has given to us. Mow the lawn. Keep things tidy. Keep things orderly. Second thing, wow people with the right things. Wow people with the right things. What are the right things? People should know that we're a community of faith that cares for one another. People should be wowed and people should be astounded because they came here on a Sunday morning expecting to sit through a boring church service and they encountered the creator of the universe. That's what should wow people. What should wow people is that the hero of our story is always the main character and that is of course Jesus. It's not an individual, it's not a personality. The hero is the hero. I have, uh, I've seen before at ladies conferences by the way, if you're a single guy serving at a ladies' conference, it's an intimidating place, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but I've been at ladies' conferences serving with my church, and there was a booth where they had free pedicures at a ladies' conference. Now, that's awesome. I mean, not for me. They wouldn't do mine. But that's great. I mean, I have no issue with the free pedicure booth. No issue at all. But that shouldn't be what people talk about on the way home. I'm all for it. I'm all for the bounce house at Fall Fest. I'm all for the youth guys getting Happy Meals in blenders and seeing who can drink it the fastest. I'm all for it. But it shouldn't be the hero of the story. The hero of the story is Jesus and what he is able to do. It stops being excellent if that's what people are talking about on the way home. Then it starts to become a misalignment. Third thing, looks for ways to improve. Looks for ways to improve. The first one is good stewards with our blessing. Wow people with the right things. And the third thing, looks for ways to improve. And this will be a consistent, constant, never-ending challenge. The call to make it better. And what happens if we have this, this attitude of looking for ways to improve, looking for ways to strengthen, looking for ways to get stronger and healthier and better, is it creates a positive outlook. Because it keeps us future-focused. 
If we're thinking about how can this be better next week? How can we be better at this next year? If there's a special event, how can we do this better next year? In three years, how can we take this forward? If we have this constant mindset of how can we make this better? How can we bring excellence to this? How can we move this beyond what is required and necessary? It brings in us an optimism. It brings about a future focus. It gets us moving forward because we're looking forward. We're looking at ways about how to make this better, how to get it stronger. So it starts to bring about a positive outlook. And the fourth thing that I had down, there's probably more, but these are the ones that stood out to me as I was preparing, is that in having a good, solid, honest attitude about excellence in our culture is that it ignites creativity. It ignites creativity. It's doing the best with what we have. And that means oftentimes creative problem solving. It means thinking outside the box. I mean, if we had an unlimited budget, it would crush creativity because we would just write a check for whatever is best. It would just, we would just write big checks for whatever is best, whatever the industry standard is, we would just write a check, and it would kill creativity. God is a creator. It is part of his thumbprint that he put on us when he made us in the image of God, come on somebody, that we are a creative people. And by having that spirit of excellence, that desire to make things better, to move things forward, to not just settle for what is necessary and required, it can bring about that spirit of creativity, it can ignite creativity. Temptation is that we will always drift towards what is necessary and required. So I've got three questions. Three questions that is helpful just to ask ourselves from time to time as we think about this. The first thing is, what do we want people talking about on the way home? What do we want people talking about on the way home? I'll use myself as an example. If people are talking about what I'm wearing on the way home, something went wrong. And that goes either way. If people are talking about I look like an absolute slob today and why did he turn up in a bathrobe to preach, that's not what should be the conversation on the drive home. Or how come Pastor Tom can afford $4,000 pair of sneakers? That shouldn't be the conversation on the way home. The conversation on the way home should be how incredible Jesus is and how wonderful worship was and how meaningful of a time it was to gather together and how great it was to fellowship with other believers and how something from the message was a challenge and inspired and spoke to a situation. Those are the things that should be filling our cars as we're driving home from church on a Sunday afternoon. As we're driving home from life groups, as we're driving home from an event, as we're driving home from something that the church is doing, those should be the things that fill our cars with conversation. Not, what is the pastor wearing? Not, I wanted to join Life Path, but it was really complicated, so I gave up. Shouldn't be how amazing the lights were on stage and how Luke got the smoke just right, so you weren't gagging on it, <laughs> but it looked just as good as you too. That shouldn't be the conversation in the car on the way home. Up or down, the spirit of excellence will drive us to have Jesus as the forefront of the conversation. Second question, what are we doing to help people feel the way we want them to feel? What are we doing to help people feel the way we want them to feel? My caveat to this is don't assume it'll happen automatically because that's what we want to happen. Don't assume it'll happen automatically. We want to be a welcoming church, but what are we doing to welcome people? We want our church to be, be easily seen as a, as a community of faith that's worth committing to, but what are we doing to present ourselves as a community of faith that is worth committing to? We want to be authentic. What are we doing to communicate that? We want to be sincere. How are we letting people, what are we doing to help people know and feel with confidence that we are an authentic church with real people, with a bunch of mess, trying to put one foot in front of the other to follow Jesus? How are we, com how are we communicating that? 
So are we communicating trust is the third one. Are we communicating trust? What do we do? Uh, what do we want people talking about on the way home? What are we doing to help people feel the way we want them to feel? And the third one, are we communicating trust? Uh, a long time ago, uh, what, not wasn't long after I first moved to the States and was living in Helena, Montana, uh, I worked for a State Farm agent. And one of the things that I heard as part of the training is that when a State Farm agent uh, who doesn't work for State Farm, it's their own business, it's kind of like a franchise deal, when the State Farm agent sets up, State Farm says to them, when you set up your office, you need to have in the front of your mind, if someone walks in here, would they feel confident and comfortable that you can be trusted with half a million dollars? Like, that's, that's their line. At least it was then 13 years ago. If we walked in here with half a million dollars, do we feel we can trust you? And let that principle determine how you're going to decorate, how you're going to set up the office, the kind of attire you're going to require the staff to wear, all those things. Can we trust you with half a million dollars? As a church, we're asking people to trust us with something infinitely more valuable than half a million dollars. And are we communicating? Is our spirit of excellence, is our culture of excellence driving us to communicate that? You can trust us with the most important part of your life. You can trust us that we're going to teach you faithfully who God is, how much he loves you, that we're going to create an atmosphere of worship where you can connect with him. You're going to build relationships here that are going to carry you through every single season of life. Are we communicating trust? Excellence moves beyond what's required and necessary. It's not ruled by comparisons. It's not focused on what we can't accomplish. But we steward our blessings. We wow people with the right things. We look for ways to improve. And by having this, we ignite creativity. Lord, we lift this all up to you. We want to have a spirit of excellence. We want to move beyond what is required and necessary. But Lord, we want to do it to glorify you. If people walk away from a spirit of excellence, looking at individuals, as the hero, Lord, something went wrong. Lord, we want to have humility drive this excellence, this, this desire to be excellent. Lord, so that we can help people connect with you in a deeper way. We can help people know your incredible message of forgiveness, your incredible message of hope. So Lord, take this. Help it be a blessing to us. Lord, help it be an encouragement as we lead our teams, as we faithfully serve you and serve the people. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. Hey, we hope that you were blessed and encouraged by today's talk. If you are a leader or a ministry director here at Word of Life, there are tons of resources available on our website. Head to wordoflifeag.org, go to the menu and tap on leaders. We'll be posting new episodes of this podcast every week, so be sure to subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next week.